gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss X-Men number six. Along came a Sabretooth. Yeah, just like in the X-Men Forever, Sabretooth is being introduced early in the series. This is the uh, this has a cover date of March 1992, on sale January 21st, 1992. It's cover price of $1.25. This one's titled Farther Still. Was the last one titled something? Probably. The last one was titled Blowback. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> and on this cover, we've got Psylocke. We've got Sabretooth holding up what looks to be a incapacitated Wolverine. And we also have Maverick's mask on a stick. That oh, like on a pike or something. Yeah, or a, Cyclops yeah. has a or Psylocke has a pike for some reason. I mean, uh, what better way to stab? What's here's Maverick with? I guess. Yeah, sure. So this is a this is a, this is a okay cover. It's fine. I like Sabretooth. He looks good. Wolverine looks good. It's a good cover. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and this is this is Art Tiber, right? This is Jim Lee with Art Tiber inking. So there are a few things. I think three things that I noticed as I read through this issue. Only the first, <laughs> well. Uh, uh, maybe from a quality standpoint. Um, but number one, uh, John Byrne is definitely not writing anymore. Oh, no, he's out. Yeah. And we'll talk about the credits here in a moment. Um, who is Jim Lee's normal, uh, inker? Um, um, what's his name? Scott uh, Williams, is it? Scott Williams. Yeah. Scott Williams is definitely not inking. And Jim Lee is... Uh, under a crunch, maybe? Well, I mean, how many more issues does he have? Three? Four? Mm, six. I think at least four more. I can't remember does if he, he left it. To it. 11? Yeah, I don't remember if he makes it to 11 or not. But uh, this, yeah, uh, whew, this issue is uh, a market change in quality, in my opinion. So I forgot to bring out the book, but there was a, there was a segment that... Uh, John Byrne left the book because he was getting pages at the last minute. Yeah. And he was yep. like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm supposed to write 30 pages in a day. And then somebody went around the Marvel offices and said, Hey, is there anybody who can write 30 pages in a day? <laughs> and Scott Lobdell, who was, I mean, we've, we've encountered him in, I think Marvel comics presents. He was like, yeah, I'll do it. Isn't he writing? Oh no, Fabian Nassisi is writing um, X Force. Yes, Fabian Nassisi is writing X Force, New Warriors. He wrote an Avengers arc. Yeah, he's an up and comer. Scott Lobdell. Um, I don't know that we've seen him. I mean, he's probably writing something, but I think we've only seen him in the pages of Marvel Comics Presents. Could be wrong about that. I'm probably wrong about that. Oh, so th this is his uh, debut full length comic, possibly. Interesting. I feel like I I thought we had seen him already in like a New Mutants or something like that, but I'm it's, probably yeah, confusing. He's probably him. done fill in issues here and there for something. Yeah, I'm probably confusing. Maybe covered. Probably also confusing him for Fabian Nicesia because these two guys more or less take over all of the X teams for quite a while, right? Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the um, credits of this Jim Lee is plotting and arting, which is different because I don't think Jim Lee was given a plotting. Uh, credit over the last few issues 
Um, Art Tebert's doing the finishing, i.e. inking. Scott Labdell is the scripter. Joe Rose is the colorist. Tom Orzakowski is the letter. Bob Harris is the editor. And Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. Groovy. Yeah. Somewhere in Berlin. Yeah, we pick up basically right where we left off. So the rest of the X-Men team, Jubilee, Beast, and Cyclops, are looking for Wolverine. And we've got some red-clad gun guys who are guarding the facility. I'm not sure if these guys are supposed to be ninjas, but they got guns. So yeah, no, there will be a bunch of red ninjas, but now maybe exactly. these guys aren't ninjas. Yeah, these are these are these are gun toting guys, um, and they don't have face masks, so these are definitely not '90s ninjas. I think well, they're just heavy. You know, the 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 most popular ninja of the '90s had an Uzi. Well, that's these aren't Uzis though. That's true. Uh, so Jubilee, she 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 under these dire, deathly situations, she decides she's going to make a little joke and say, "Hey, is there a little girls' room on this floor?" Well, she's. She's providing a distraction. I know. Or or not really a distraction. She's getting their attention and uh, so that Beast and Cyclops can surprise these two guards and take them out, apparently in a violent manner, because she says, I thought Wolvie was the team bruiser. But Well, you know, yeah, it's, it's because uh, Beast kind of surprises one of the guards and he, he makes a little tag joke. And then Cyclops shows up in a very odd pose uh, or odd perspective here and says you my friend are it and blasts away one of these sunglass red leather coated guys leather trench coat coated guys none of these feel like actions that are out of the norm or excessively violent to me but maybe maybe i'm wrong i think jubilee's maybe talking about uh, cyclops's bravado followed by the the shot but i don't know maybe not I thought Wolvie was the team bruiser. I don't know. Whatever. We get by Beast. Cyclops. The, uh, and here's uh, this first page is very indicative of how the dialogue is going to go for this issue. Oh, yeah. No one will ever not have something to say. Everybody has something to say. I've got some confusion of dialogue boxes that I'll point out if I can remember where they're at. Yeah, I, I noticed some of those too. <laughs> okay. Some things where, yeah. You're like, um, who's saying what? It doesn't make any sense. But again, we get, I don't, this is not Jim Lee at his finest, but we get Omega Red bursting out of a wall in a full page spread, punching Beast in the face, Jubilee saying, look out, Cyclops saying, Hank, um, it's not good. Uh, it's like a downward perspective that is kind of awkward. I don't, I mean, my main problem with it is that I don't know where Omega Red came from, that he's surprising them. Did he come from the ceiling? No, nah, I think he punched his way through the wall. So I think what we're looking at below us is the ground. Jubilee is like running in a hunched over. Just imagine her bending over a 90 degree angle running. Uh, and then Cyclops, I don't know, he's looking upward, I guess. That is what I see. So I think he burst through the wall and we're seeing the ground. Okay. I mean, but, that makes sense, I guess. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, but, they would have seen him running down the hall. Who's that? <laughs> yeah. And he introduces himself. My name is Omega Red. And we get a little background. He was about th several years ago stuck in a tomb, blah, 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 blah. In case you haven't read the previous issues. This is who Omega Red is. Well, he cannot it, currently avenge himself on the man he holds responsible for keeping him in a tomb. 
which I guess no. is Wolverine. I don't know why Wolverine would be responsible for that. Well, I'm I don't sure. really understand the whole carbonadium synthesizer thing, to be honest. No, uh, Omega Red is definitely a amalgamation of everything that was awesome and radical in the 90s. <laughs> I just want to understand the story. So I guess, so by withholding the carbonadium synthesizer, did that, so Omega Red had to be put in a tomb? Man, I don't know. What I do know <laughs> is that Omega Red has a death factor, and based on these issue, this issue here, uh, he needs to feed upon life force. And, so I guess I guess in, the carbonadium synthesizer makes it so that he doesn't have to feed on life forms. Sure, but, but he, his, he has a second power that he just introduces on this page, where I am also capable of releasing lethal pheromones into the air. Right. Well, he also introduces his carbonade carbonadium. Um, tentacles or whatever you want to call them, um, not nearly as indestructible as the vaunted metal, uh, that they serve as adamantium. Yeah. Uh, but more malleable and a conduit for his mutant death factor. So I guess he, he shoots out his little tentacles, his carbon medium tentacles and absorbs life force, uh, to keep him strong, to keep him healthy or whatever. And then yes, he can also <laughs> release lethal pheromones into the air. Most people can, Red, says Jubilee, just too polite to talk about it. And she passes that's, out. That's a that's a sex joke coming from a 13-year-old girl. I don't know. It, lethal pheromones? I don't think that's a sex joke. Well, I mean, pheromones are designed to, like, attract a mate. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, so I don't know what lethal pheromones would be in... in yeah, I don't. I thought she was just talking about like bo or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that might be what they were going with. Yeah, I think you're right. But when I think of pheromones, I think of generally, generally a female sexy time. Rele- se- well, releasing pheromones to entice the, the male. Uh, I think yeah, typically in comics, yes, pheromones are used to attract the opposite sex by some. Uh, Typically uh, menacing lady, but I pheromones think, I think are a substance secreted by to the outside by an individual and received by a second individual of the same species. I think uh, later Logan's son will also do a pheromone thing, huh? Which yeah, will make Ma- women attracted to him. And you might be right, possibly men as well. I can't recall. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of words here, but it, uh, oh, the senses play a pivotal role in the sexual response of women. Oh, in the sexual response of women. Huh. I always thought women emitted the pheromones, whatever. I think they do in comics. Cause I think you've got your like <laughs> Lorelei's and your, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, your, your, your women who are, uh, I don't know, play on the, the Odyssey where it's like, you got your, your sirens, your sirens. Yeah. And whatnot. Yeah, let's just say we're probably wrong and there's some scientist out there that might be listening to it saying you don't know anything you're talking about when it comes to pheromones. And that person is absolutely correct. All we know about pheromones is the real quick sentence I just read as well as comics. So take it all with a grain of salt. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Half uh, the invading force has been taken out, Matsuo, says uh, uh, Omega Red into a convenient camera somewhere. There's always a camera following a mega red. Maybe one of his tentacles has a camera, so he just has it pointing at himself right <laughs> I now. I would like to see that. And transmitting over to Matsuo. Um, 
Any okay. sign of the escaped Wolverine? We are expecting a specialist who will help us find your missing savior. Meanwhile, Maverick is hanging out with Wolverine, who is watching Matsuo watch Omega Red. Oh, yeah. I don't know how this works. I didn't even <laughs> notice that. So he's got uh, cameras everywhere. Yeah, everyone's got a camera on somebody. And uh, he, he uh, Wolverine is uh, dead right now. He's not responding. His healing factor factor is not working. I don't. I think he's given him CPR, and eventually he shoots him up with uh, neuro uh, epinephrine, uh, enough of it to wake up all of United Germany. Which then does you see the little heartbeat blip? So it was like flat line, and then blip blip blip. So Wolverine was dead for a minute here. Yeah, um, you know whatever. <laughs> Wolverine's never dead. Uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, Maverick speaks German now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that'll stick. But, oh, uh, as a matter of fact, that flat line is throughout, all throughout all of these panels. You have like a weak heartbeat in that first panel, then it's flat line for the next four panels, and then he gets the epinephrine and bloop, bloop, bloop. So. For a mutant known, renowned for his healing factor, you're not impressing me. I didn't. I don't think being beaten to death, nearly, nearly to death by Omega Red, having half your blood drained from your body and falling ten stories to the pavement, is any excuse. Uh, he's not responding. And then we get this part that I didn't understand: the healing cells he stole back are splattered all over the sidewalk. Um, so last issue, he was carrying around a container, and we didn't know what it was because we could. We figured it couldn't be the carbonadium synthesizer that everybody was looking for because why would Wolverine be revealing that? But now they're saying it's healing cells. Sure. Uh, I, what are healing cells? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess it doesn't matter because they're now splattered over the sidewalk and we will never hear about them again. Let's just say they're stem cells before <laughs> we knew what to call them. Okay. They're healing cells. I just, I didn't know what the purpose of them last issue were. And I still don't know what the purpose of them is. doesn't matter. They're splattered across the sidewalk. And now I guess they they didn't serve a purpose at all. So (laughs) I would have liked to have known what Jim Lee's original intention was. Jim Lee or John Byrne? Well, Jim Lee, because he's the one who drew Wolverine carrying something. Well. And then John Byrne, I suppose, tried to do something with it. Oh, sure. Yep. Yep. Who knows? Nobody's Mm. keeping track. Nobody cares. Nobody cares anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I would, I would have to imagine uh, Jim Lee knows at this point that he's probably a short timer, don't you think? Uh, let's see. Todd McFarlane called him up. He's like, hey, buddy, I got an idea. Yeah, he might be developing Wildcats by now. But, I mean, he's got, like we said, we've, he's got four or five more issues left in him. So this is probably when he's probably working on this. He's thinking about it. It's five I've... or six months out yeah. before... Yeah. Wildcats, at least he he hasn't made a decision yet, but it's he's he's now the more crappy X Men he has to draw, the more interesting he, interested he is in owning his own characters. Yeah, maybe because I uh, Art Tebert was in the last issue as an inker, and I thought the last issue looked far and away better than this issue looks. Last issue wasn't Scott Williams. No, yeah. I had to look because I was like, God, this this is just like a departure from what we're used to. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just the addition of Art T-Bert. But Art T-Bert was in the last issue. Art T-Bert takes over, I believe, after Jim Lee leaves. As a penciler? As a penciler. 
Oh, interesting. And he's a pretty good uh, Jim Lee alike artists. Okay. You know, you can definitely tell that they're different, but they're very, they're very, they very much had that 90s aesthetic about them. And then I think after he leaves, Andy Kubert or Adam Kubert takes over. Yeah. I like the Kuberts. I don't, they have a very different 90s aesthetic, but no less 90s. Right. Well, we'll have to keep our eyes open for that because I don't remember Art Tebert's style. Anyways, we get a flashback here of uh, Wolverine Sabretooth, also known as Creed and Maverick. And they're, um, I don't know, uh, looking for the carbonadium synthesizer. So here and, Maverick speaks English. So I guess he can speak English, which I'm not sure why he was speaking German to Wolverine before. Or maybe he was just thinking in German. I think he's, well, he's no, thinking he's in German. Out loud. Then he speaks out loud in German, but then he speaks out loud in English. The here's enough epinephrine to wake up all of United Germany. The rest is up to you. That's all in English. Or did the inker just get tired of drawing the little uh, half triangles? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, Wolverine, or actually Creed says, uh, this whole job stinks of a setup because Wolverine says uh, he thinks they're trapped. Wolverine blasts a hole in the the wall, um, revealing that there are many stories up, 10 flights, so they can't jump out. And so Sabretooth kills the female operative that they're with for some reason. I guess their mission was to rescue her, uh, but last issue they were arguing about whether or not that meant dead or alive. In this issue, Creed just kills her. Yeah, you're a liability. She's a liability. Creed or uh, Maverick and Wolverine are not very happy by this turn of events. Creed, you psychotic son of a! And that's when Omega Red shows up, and he he's got a, a crazy font, the carbonadium synthesizer. Where is it? And I think Tell that's me. just to let us know that he is weak, because otherwise he looks fine. Yes, and someone correct. even says, uh, "It looks like your own mutant power is going to finish the job those thermite grenades started." Right. Because apparently thermite grenades were thrown at him earlier. And maybe they were last issue. I don't oh, remember. He is throwing thermite. He th- he's talking about oh. thermite grenades that he's throwing at him right now. Yeah. Okay. This is Oh, and that's Sabretooth. And so then Wolverine is like, are you trying to kill us all? Because now they're potentially all going to blow up because of these thermite grenades. We're not going to be here for the finale. Leave the dame, kid. You mean the evidence, don't you? No way, Creed. Not even for you. And they all jump out the window. Wolverine carries the dead body. Well, he does, and then on the next panel, they're all separated. Yeah. So they all hit the ground. Presumably, the dead body is much worse for wear. Well, uh, Maverick says, go limp. The battle armor will absorb the impact. So everybody lands on Maverick. And I guess we'd discover at some point in the issue that Maverick, and I didn't know this at the time, has uh, like a kinetic uh, absorption power. So. This is where we get one of those panels where it doesn't make any sense who's talking. Uh, Cyber, no, Sabretooth says, told you so. Kids are in shock, battered, impossible, but live. And then we cut to a shot of Wolverine, but it's still Sabretooth talking. Proves theory of mine. Maybe Red ain't the only mutant in service to his country. And then we cut back to Sabretooth, who said the last part. So I think that's just a mistake. Do you think it's a mistake or do you think they're just completing each other's sentences? Why would they complete each other's sentences? I don't know. They're just both having the same thought. Yeah. I, They've this, been very contentious towards each other up until this point. Yeah. I mean, this could very well be a mistake. It doesn't really bother me because I, I, could, I could 
get behind. They used to be super good friends, so they're on the same wavelength, but now Creed's falling apart. But I don't think that much thought was put into any of what I just said (laughs) when they created this. So it could very well be a mistake. I think um, as we transition into this Mojoverse conversation, there's a far weirder conversation that happens uh, that definitely looks like a mistake to me. And also, uh, I don't know if Art Tebert stopped inking or if he took over drawing duties, but as art looks different uh, oh, for the Mojo section. But, uh, and have we read Wolverine 52 and 54? Oh, we're a little bit behind. Yeah, we're a little behind. So uh, a little bit of this takes place, this whole Mojo takes place after 52 to 54 Wolverine, which we haven't covered yet. But we do know that last issue, um, Longshot showed up, grabbed Dazzler and said, you got to come with me. And probably in the events of Wolverine, uh, Lila Cheney showed up as the teleporter person. She's also sporting a new rad haircut, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I don't even think 52 and 54 are out yet, so they just must know. Oh, okay. Probably have it plotted out. Because I think 50 comes out the same month as this issue. So, the, uh, yeah. And I don't remember what happens in 52 and 54 of Wolverine. So it's either an interlude, probably an interlude. But either way, uh, they did not intend to teleport to Mojoverse. They intended to teleport to the Crab Nebula. But I guess Lila Cheney was um, inter interrupted, intercepted. intercepted. Yeah, one of the two. Freedom to the first gopher who brings me the head of an X-Men, says Mojo. A sick day if you just bring me a spleen. So I guess Mojo has these dudes in armor, and the armors kind of look like gophers, which is why he's referring to them as a gopher. I've never heard him call anybody a gopher in the past. Okay. Let's go with that. There's some funny stuff where everybody's like, are you serious? The fat blob has an entire universe named after him? Well, this is this is the thing that w- was weird for me. Uh, uh, Lila Cheney says, for the moment, Ellison, it appears we are captives of the Mojoverse, exclamation point. And then she hops into the air to push one of the gophers down and says, are you serious? The fat blob has an entire universe named after him? Well, yeah, that's probably supposed to be Dazzler, but exactly, it's Let's... a butt shot, so who knows? <laughs> Maybe it's her butt speaking, and her butt has... That's a mutant power we didn't know about until just now. <laughs> Not only is he my arch rifle, ri- ice rival, says Longshot, that fat blob is the sworn enemy of all the X-Men. And then, what is the what is the name of this dude who works for Mojo? Oh, boy. It's uh, uh, a major, major domo. <laughs> There's a major domo and a minor domo. Right. Well, he He's... says, that very same fat blob has ordered me to cancel Miss Cheney's powers, which is a weird thing to say, but whatever. I guess we have to know why Miss Cheney isn't just teleporting out of here. Right. And then a funny line, I'm going to kill the next person who calls me a fat blob from Mojo. Yep. There's some good dialogue. Some good stuff there. Yeah, there's so much dialogue. There's there's got to be a couple of good lines in there. Yeah. yeah, odds are. Dazzler's not really doing much, but I mean, as we know, she lost her memory. She's been a performer, uh, and so Lila Cheney reminds her that, hey, you know, whenever you're in these situations, you usually use your light powers, hint, hint, and so then she starts using her light powers. This is crazy. I'm fighting for a life I don't even remember having lived. I have most of it on video, Dazzler. Trust me, it's hardly worth the fuss and bother, says Mojo. I wonder if 
current day mojo is a YouTube streamer? There was, um, I think in new mutants in the current run that we covered, there was like a, there was a thing where Shatterstar uh-huh. had a, was like an influencer in the mojo verse. Okay. And he had like a channel and you, <laughs> you just had to constantly publish on your channel. And then the, uh, the new mutants went and rescued somebody. And okay. uh, Shadow Shatterstar also escaped. That's clever. That's fun. But uh, yeah, they definitely they definitely have adapted to the times. Got to keep up with the times because he keeps talking about video and. Well, I mean, Mojoverse is kind of ahead of its time. That's true. So that's it's kind of interesting that now it's not ahead of its time anymore, and they they haven't. Uh, it should be it should be the next iteration of things. It should be in the future, right? But right, it's hard to predict the future. You can do it once, but not twice. No one is above the law, Mojo, no matter if the law is your own. And as long as I possess my mutant luck power, as long as there is life left within these hollow bones of mine, Longshot will insist you be held accountable for crimes against my people. So this is not our Longshot. I mean, I know that it's it's Longshot, but the Longshot that we left behind many, many issues of X-Men was um, soft-spoken. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. This is heroic long shot. Yeah. Yeah. Confu- uh, naive, fish out of water, all of those things. And this guy is, and he'll even talk about like, you're the love of my life, Allison, which was never a thing that happened in, in our previous um, encounters of Longshot and Dazzler. Well, he's been gone for a while. He's had time to think about things. He's had time to grow and become um, much more heroic and realize that, <laughs> Dazzler was the only woman he ever he ever knew that he loved. I guess I hope, maybe, and I don't know if this is the case, but in, I hope in Wolverine fifty two through fifty four we sort of learn what happened to Longshot, and maybe there'll be an explanation for his personality change. That'd be neat. Probably not. <laughs> well, uh, somebody pops out and says, "Come with me if you want to live," and then. Lila Cheney says, finally, something I remember. Now, should that be Lila Cheney that says that, or should that be Dazzler who says that? Because this whole thing has been Dazzler being, I don't remember any of this. You know, it's probably Dazzler. <laughs> it, is, it is technically pointing at Dazzler. It's just on top of Lila Cheney. It's so pointing at Dazzler, but it's like on top of da- or Lila Cheney and pointing at Lila Cheney's um, shoulder. Anyway, it shouldn't be anything because then the next thing the guy says is it's from an Earth film. All that we get all the latest releases quickly this way. And that's like the punchline. And now you have a punchline on top of a punchline. It's too many punchlines. Well, you get uh, come with me if you want to live. What? It's from an Earth film. But then we also get finally something I remember. It's too much. It's too much dialogue, Scott. I get you. I'm with you. You can't have two jokes. In this case, uh, more is more. Yeah. Instead of less is more. Or or more will eventually get there. I don't know. Just keep hitting them with jokes. One of them is going to land. Yeah. So they do follow this guy. And they uh, shoot out of what looks like a uh, castle grayskull version of Mojo, which is pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And in, actually into one of those uh, He-Man-looking uh, uh, floaty cars, too. Oh, so they're yeah. in the He-Man universe. I hope so. And they fly somewhere to the mountains or whatever. Um, 
all hail long longshot victories ours. I don't know what victory they had other than just escaping. I guess it just, yeah, he has returned at last. Therefore, victory will be ours, I'm assuming. Eh, they say victory is ours, exclamation point. I, you know, I think they just kind of mean he has returned. Therefore, victory oh. victory is ours. Is inevitable. In, sure. Yeah, in, in the future. Okay. On behalf of everything, I'm proud to say welcome home. Longshot does not seem to know what he's talking about. He's home, huh? It's uh, nice to be back. Uh, Lila Cheney Cheney says, don't tell me, I don't mean to tell you how to run a rebellion, but your lady awaits. So apparently he's the leader of this rebellion here. And this is where we get that um, uh, the man who loves you above all others will always be here, which escalated their relationship pretty quickly from where we left off. Yeah, I mean. That's fine. I mean, whatever. I don't care. He's had time to think on it. And she doesn't remember him at all, so she can't really be like, I, that's not what I recall, if you say so. Dazzler, I guess, says, by your side, question mark, forever? But the arrow's pointing at Longshot. Or maybe it is Longshot saying I, it. I don't I know. I think it is Longshot. It's okay. just a little weird. I don't know why there's a question mark. Yeah. Uh, does that help, question mark? Oddly enough, yes, says Dazzler, as she goes in for a kiss for a man she just met. And we get a little uh, long shot twinkle in the sky, uh, his little eye twinkle. Oh, I had a, um, so long shots here and he's got all the pockets, right? Mm-hmm. And we had talked about how um, long shot had uh, the, like the, the art, what was it? Art Adams? Yes. Art Adams introduced the pockets into comics and then yeah. Rob Liefeld took the pockets and kind of ran with it. Yeah. Well, I had, I had a... Uh, I had a, uh, uh, what do you, what do you call that when you get, you get a thing? Uh, uh, an epiphany? I had an epiphany. Okay. Um, when I saw Rob Liefeld talk, he was talking about how Boba Fett was basically an iconic visual and that's all we really knew about him. And that's why people loved at him. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to look at an action figure of Boba Fett. Oh, he's got lots of pouches, he's doesn't he? He's got a lot of pouches and pockets. Oh. And I'm thinking like all, like Boba Fett is the reason that so many superheroes in the nineties have pockets and pouches. It's all because of Boba Fett. That was my epiphany. Uh, who do you think designed, um, Boba Fett? Do you think it was Ralph McQuarrie? Uh, me. Yeah, I think so. He, like he's known for designing. He like, he did the white one, right? The white one. I don't know. I have a book of Ralph McQuarrie designs and I'm pretty sure there's a white Boba Fett in it. Oh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of designs on Star Wars, so he probably was at the very least. Oh, actually, I just saw uh, Macquarie's concept art, including conceptual versions of Imperial Stormtroopers, Chewbacca, R2-D2, C-3-Troopers, Darth Vader, Han Solo, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and other characters. Now, did his version of Boba Fett have pockets, though? That's the real question. Ah, that's a good question. I think he designed all of those characters. What happened after that and how they were modified... That's, I don't know. That would probably be up to the um, up to wardrobe, right? Yeah. So to interpret and and make everything. Who came up with the design for Boba Fett to have a belt that was filled with little miniature p- pouches? That's what we want to know. <laughs> uh sure. And, I, I and think. Why yeah. did Rob Liefeld take that and decide that everybody needed it? <laughs> did Rob Liefeld take that, or did he take um, it from Longshot? I think our. Art Adams took it from Boba Fett, and sure. Rob Liefeld also took it from Boba Fett. Okay. That's my feeling. Or 
Rob Liefeld saw Longshot and Boba Fett. He's like, man. It's possible. These pouches are awesome. Yeah. I love pouches. <laughs> Everybody gets a pouch. Boba Fett pouches. It makes them look just like Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, so then we skip over to the present. Um, I guess I don't know where this Mojoverse thing is happening, but I also think it's out of time, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, ninjas. Uh, so the, the guys that I was saying were just heavies. Um, no, they, they're, uh, red trench coated guys with no masks. And that's what I was talking about. Uh, as ninjas. You're right. Yeah. Those, those, those guys, but now they have swords. Well, they go back and forth, you know, so they can maybe, do guns, they can do swords. Maybe... There's two divisions of red jackets. Um, oh. There's the red sword division, and then there's the red gun division. Sure. Yeah, know. maybe. So Seems they're like all... I took out this man three times already. No, says Gambit. Uh, don't fret. After a while, all these ninjas start to look the same. Present company accepted, Psylocke. We are just talking up a storm. There's a lot of talking here. Of and that's when... Rogue. Fenris the matter at hand. I'm still not picking up anything with my shared psychic bond with Wolverine. That that's a thing. Fenris shows up and says, "Ah, it's possibly he's already dead." Uh, he makes a joke. Uh, Gambit makes a joke about another bad guy with a ponytail. What's what's it all about? Is there some sort of dress code? Now look at this panel. This this thin panel of of um, we've seen Jim Lee draw this many times before, uh, and this is one's terrible. Yeah, the eyes weird. <laughs> the lip, the eyes, the the, sh- the shading, everything. Like no human should have an eyeball there. Yeah. It's so there you go. But cut into that sliver, you almost don't notice. Like you kind of gloss over it. No, I noticed it pretty quickly because I think he's got like a big fat lower lip. If uh, if this was a if this was a full panel, you'd probably notice it faster. Plus, you know, as we've discussed before, this this little sliver panel is is it means something to me. I used to used to draw it all the time, but but back from Uncanny X Men when it was actually a good drawing. So <laughs> I'm immediately drawn to it. No, this one's terrible. Anyways, Fenris, uh, they they join their combo powers and and shoot out bioelectric fury of Fenris power. They're, pew pew. They're definitely doing stuff. Yeah, remember Fenris. Yeah. I remember Fenris. They hold hands and shoot people. I can't speak for the rest of the team, says Rogue, but it kind of tickles. I mean, as bioelectric furies go. That's a cute line. It's another little joke. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, looks like Gambit took the brunt of it, but he's okay. Um, he took the brunt of the blast, and there's still a lot we don't know about Gambit. So maybe he should be dead, but he's not. Yeah, okay. That's it for now. <laughs> But my psionic probe indicates that he'll be, and then Matsuo finishes her sentence, fine, which is a weird way of transitioning to the fact that he is now mind-controlling her. Right. I I get it. I don't like it. I feel like it, there's a better way to do it, but... Maybe, because he does... Matsuo says, uh, indeed, you are mine, a result of a previously implanted post-hypnotic suggestion. Uh, and we get an editor's note here that says, it must have happened in Uncanny X-Men number 256. Oh, must it have? Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't see that happened in 256, but whatever, it's fine. Um, two that, things. That reminded me. Uh, remember when Betsy Braddock's eyes were Mojoverse cameras? Oh, there, yeah. There, I don't, Matsuo replaced those with real eyes. Okay. 
Let's just go with that. I don't know. <laughs> um, two things come to mind. Number one, uh, fine might be the post-hop hypnotic suggestion word that he used. Oh, well, that's convenient. <laughs> uh, actually, that's only one thing. That's all I got. Because <laughs> <laughs> he says it so confidently. Look, at he's got, he's got his own little sliver panel, and he's got a very smirky face on. He says, fine, in a very soft word. And that's when she turns around and stabs Rogue in the head with her psychic knife. She doesn't tell us that it's the totality of her psychic ability. But she does say, I'm sorry for this. My actions are not my own. So she has control of her mind, but she doesn't have control of her body. And uh, come along now, Ms. Braddock, and bring the bait. I'm guessing the bait is Rogue? I guess. Sure, uh, why sure. not? The X-Men might as well be the bait for Wolverine. And uh, he does react to this. We cut over to him going, seeing the seeing the same shot of Psylocke stabbing Rogue in the back of the head with her uh, psionic blade and Wolverine says Betsy at last the response says Maverick and that's when Wolverine's like who are you and pops two of his claws and his classic little I'll pop my third claw through your chin and you'll die yeah which he gives a name later I forget where it is but we'll see it um, Maverick doesn't know whether he should tell him that he who he is he says Logan has no access to the memories of time spent as a CAA operative, which is from Wolverine number 50. Yep. Which, uh, whoops, we haven't gotten around to that one yet. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, a small group picked from different countries. Logan from Canada, Creed from, eh, we'll figure it out later, and me from West Germany. West German Freedom Fighter. We were quite the team until Creed snapped. It was years before we learned the, what Creed already suspected, and that's why I think it was... Uh, Sabretooth doing all the talking in that previous thing. Right. That he, that he and Logan and... shared an accelerated healing factor. Well, my mutant power to absorb kinetic impact barely saved me from that 10-story drop. It wasn't until the debriefing 24 hours later that it all started... We all started pounding nails into the team's coffin. The loss of the sea synthesizer is unacceptable! Your incompetence is severely compromised! Our incompetence... Says Cybertooth, and Mo Wolverine gets mad because he killed the lady. Who's the guy that is talking that you just gave that weird voice to? Uh, just some rando? He's just some rando. Rando boss guy? Maybe it's Cable. Who knows? <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> he's got a big... Is that a cigar coming out of his mouth? That Absolutely. White thing? Maybe it's Nick Fury. Or is it? Is that his mouth? I don't know. Uh, he's smoking a cigar. Okay. I don't know what the white thing is. That mm-hmm. could be his mouth... With his teeth chomping on a cigar. Initially, I thought it was his teeth, but yeah. now I'm thinking it's cigar. But I don't. Well, know. there's two little holes above it, which I think could be his nostrils. That's weird to give <laughs> the nostrils holes, but okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So yeah, Logan and Sabretooth they fight, and Wolverine quits the team, walks away. I saved your sorry hard more times than I can remember. You're mine, boy, and the day is going to come when I collect. I'm out of here, says Wolverine. So I guess this is why there was the Sabretooth Wolverine feud for all these years that we slowly learned about. I Even though so. when they first met each other, they really didn't seem to have any recollection of one another. You know, that must get explained at some point, doesn't it? I, I know that Sabretooth is in Origin too, and that's okay. where they first meet, but I don't know. He must have had his mind wiped at some point. Wasn't he part of a Weapon X at some, uh, in some form? 
Maybe he was part of Weapon Z. Oh, is that a thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Maverick wonders if Wolverine perhaps took the C-synthesizer with him when he left and has hidden it somewhere, which is the whole point of the last issue. With all the tooling around Matsuo and Cornelius have been doing in his head. Wait, Matsuo was there? Is this a retcon? No, no, no. Uh, last issue, Matsuo and Cornelius were tooling around in his oh, head. Oh, okay. I didn't know if that was a callback to Weapon X. No, uh, no, I know. No. I think now isn't the time for me to do anything to shadow his fragile psyche, which means I can't tell him that Sergeant David North Logan's drinking buddy. Or, and then he says out loud, Maverick, Herr Logan. I'm a representative of the German government. And I'm Bullwinkle. Keep your secrets, bub. Just tell me what you did to the X-Men or we play my version of Three Claw Monty. That's what it was. Uh, Okay, Three Claw Monty. A perimeter alarm goes out, which causes enough of a distraction for Maverick to punch Wolverine in the face and get the upper hand and aim his gun right into Wolverine's eyeball. Now, unless you've got adamantium eyelids, Wolverine says Creed. Did you say Creed? And then on the monitor, because he's got many monitors. Oh, yeah. We've got uh, Sabretooth in, in my opinion, an awesome outfit. Sabretooth should dress like this all the time. Wait a minute. So is Maverick watching Sabretooth and this girl in this back alley? He is. Because. Uh, What? (laughs) Because (laughs) seconds later, Sabretooth says, be a deer and jam their signal. Oh, and whoever and, you are, count yourselves lucky, and then their signal goes out. So what you're telling me, is, and they've got like a, a a futuristic sports car in the background, says Lexco or something like that. That's got those cool fold up doors. They 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 drove to this alley, jumped out of their car, saw this camera, decided to have a quick little conversation. I'm imagining that the camera is outside of Matsuo headquarters. And they just, I imagine that it's a little hoverball floating around, like the ones in Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe. And it's making that noise. It's That's very what it's loud. Doing. <laughs> well. I am picking up the emotional feedback of the Fenris twins, as well as an unaccountable thought signature. You mean we're being spied on? So it's so this an is... unaccountable thought signature. So the, the camera is a thought signature? Sure. How does this work? Uh, this is, as you mentioned, a pretty rad rendition of, of Sabretooth. Like he looks like he runs, he he looks like he's either a pimp, uh, or he runs some sleazy, sleazy money-making operation. Like he's the owner of a strip club. Whatever it is, I am done with the old Sabretooth outfit. This for (laughs) me is how Sabretooth should always be. I agree. He looks pretty awesome. He's got a cool suit. He's got a funky polka dot shirt. He's wearing white gloves and he's got a uh one of those bomber jackets, but it's like a it's like it's a like full a, length army jacket a, sort of well, thing. Well it's like a trench coat, yeah. It's like a but it's coat, but it's yeah. but it's got the yeah, the little puffy what'd you call it? A bomber jacket? Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm gonna guess that this is not like a cloak, like a cape. Like there's arms, he's just wearing it kind of all over his shoulders. Yeah, like he can put his arms coat. through if he needed to, yeah. Yeah. So he jams the signal and uh yeah, the screen goes out in Maverick's headquarters or wherever Maverick is. And then we flip over to Sabretooth just now in Matsuo's room with all the X Men strung up 
And now Sabretooth is there and he says, you're starting a collection of X-Men or you're just holding a mutant clearance sale? But I'm bump. Why don't they just kill all of them right now? Because they're bait. <laughs> I suppose. Be a deer and hang up the coat, he says to Psylocke. Not in this lifetime. And then we learn Psylocke only responds to my commands and only grudgingly. Matsuo's, yeah. I just you'll be more accommodating in your search for Wolverine. We believe he has access to a particular device which will aid our Russian ally. It's a funny thing about your red buddy, something vaguely familiar. It'll come to me. Sabretooth doesn't remember all the but flashbacks goes, that Wolverine is having. But he sniffs and he goes up to, to Gambit and says, See, I never forget a scent. A long ways from the big easy, Remy. And since when are you working on the side of angels, or did I just blow your last scam? So Sabretooth knows Gambit from a previous life. Yeah, I feel like they're still trying to make Gambit a man of mystery. They're doing the right. classic cable thing where everybody knows him somehow. Yeah. Which only really works if you know what your backstory is. Right. And I feel they don't like know what's happening don't. here. <laughs> no. They're just, yeah. They're making it up as they go. I don't even think they know that Cable's a time traveler yet. Sabretooth slices uh, Gambit's chest and, and takes a lick of his blood, says, mmm, spicier than I remember. Must, Must be, be Mama Gambit's Cajun recipe. Gross. <laughs> Can't wait for seconds, but you'll pardon me if I start with an appetizer. She goes to Jubilee. I feel like Jubilee's met Sabretooth in the pages of Wolverine, but... Uh, I don't know if they've, like, come face to face, but she's definitely been present when Sabretooth has been in an issue. I'm not scared of you hardly at all. You've got problems of your own, Sabretooth, even as we speak, an army of killer androids is on your trail. That's a reference Cyclops. to uh, Wolverine number 50 again. Okay. So I, re I remember that. He, uh, Sabretooth is shaking in his boots, and uh, Sabretooth says, Well, if Matsuo will let you, I need you to come with me. And so I guess she does. Yep. I know about your psychic bond with the kid. You're going to lead me right to him. So now Maverick has Wolverine bound by his arms. He's got uh, and shackles. They're, they're walking through the sewers or whatever they're walking through. Maverick has, and I probably mentioned this last time around if I if I saw it, but he's got like a gun with two clips on it. Yeah, that's it, his big signature. And it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they're walking around. Um, Wolverine says, they found us. Maverick deduces that it's the bond with Psylocke. Bingo, which means Sabretooth is on his way. Tell me, Maverick, you're going to be ready to take him on on your lonesome, or are you going to let me out of these shackles? Out of this harness. Yeah, whatever. Help me free the X-Men, and I'll help you find your sea doohickey. And if I don't, I'll break through eventually on my own and hand you a kidney for all the trouble you caused me. Whose kidney? I don't know. It's <laughs> just a kidney. Wolverine's kidney. Here's my kidney. <laughs> Fair enough, you're free. And so that's when Sabretooth shows up in his costume now and says, Hiya, kid. Who's that's your a friend? slightly updated costume, too, which yes. I guess it's better, maybe. I don't know. Who's your friend? And Sabretooth doesn't remember me either. He thinks Maverick to himself at some point. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is right there. So you don't remember me either, eh, Creed? He, yeah, he thinks that to himself. Uh, Sabretooth springs into action. Wolverine pops his claws. Uh, there's a fight that takes 30 seconds, and we just see 
red and black. The and one panel of red and black is never really in question, says the caption. And but which I guess is fine. We don't need a a drawn out battle. But the result of it pages. is, yeah, right. Sabretooth and Psylocke defeated both Maverick and Wolverine, and are now dragging them through the sewers. Always some sewers. Nobody told me the kid was out of sorts, practically keeled over before I got a chance to bruise him. I changed my mind. I don't like this new Sabretooth outfit. It looks like he's wearing spandex, whereas before it seemed like he was wearing, like, I don't know, animal furs or something. Right. His original costume, to me, I feel like, obviously, they've changed, evolved, and taken some liberties with Sabretooth, but I always felt like in his original uh, appearance... He was just like a hairy saber tooth, and he wasn't really wearing a costume. He was just furry. Well, he had the fang costume for some reason. Oh, he well, that was later, I think, wasn't it? It well, wasn't well, the yeah, debut, I suppose not. But I guess Wolverine had the fang costume for a while, and then Sabretooth had the fang costume. It's trying to make that fang costume work. Yeah. So they bring, well, they're bringing Wolverine uh, and Psylocke back. Ironic, is it not, Omega Red? The man responsible for aborting your experiment 30 years ago should be the same man who are you indebted to for your new lease on life. There is much I owe Sabretooth, and I have every intention of paying back my debts in the order of which they occurred. That's a Fenris. weird thing. To, why in the order of which they occurred? Well, uh, first... He was locked up in the cave, so he's going to pay back for that. Okay. And then if he's still alive, he'll thank him for, <laughs> for, for bringing life. Him. I think that's what that joke is supposed to mean. Okay. Like, I don't care he did a good thing for me. I'm going to kill him because of what he did. Shall we toast to the final resurrection of Omega Red to the future leaders of the Upstarts, says Fenris and Matsuo. Um, I don't know what the Upstarts are. I don't know uh, that we ever learn what the upstarts are. A new team of bad guys we'll, we'll go with. Uh, until we have uh, stabilized your death factor with the C-synthesizer, C-synthesizer, you are still dependent on the life forces of others of Mega Red. To that end, I suggest you avail yourself of our prisoners. Kill as many as you wish. And now that they... To be continued. There you go. The, now that the bait has worked, I guess, <laughs> or they, they don't need the bait anymore, now they can just kill them all off. Well, the... Bait seems to have just been Betsy. Well, Betsy was necessary because of the thing, but maybe, I don't know. They said bait before, so they were, They it feels like they were thinking that Wolverine would come back. Yeah, which, I guess. Which is probably true. If he knew that they were holding the X-Men, he would, despite whatever his condition was, he would probably try to come back. So they weren't yeah. wrong. Uh, it did, again, it, it, this seems to be like needlessly complicated supervillain territory. This is somebody working overtime trying to make this all work. Uh, like, I got these pages from Jim Lee, and I really want to make my mark at Marvel. Here's some words. I've got 24 hours to write a script. <laughs> yeah, and, and I got a lot of one-liners I've been saving up for this day. be funny if uh, he either reuses all of these same one-liners, or he never uses a one-liner again because he burnt through them all. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably got a notepad filled with one-liners. Uh, Bob Harris is like, where are the jokes, Scotty? He's like, I used them all up on that first issue you put me on. <laughs> the the implication in the uh, in the in the book uh, that talks about how John Byrne just refused to work on X Men anymore was that uh, 
basically somebody went around and just said, who's available? And then they picked the intern who was Scott Lobdell just because he had availability. Doesn't Scott Lobdell go on to write like, uh, um, shoot, some of those bad crossovers? I have no idea. Like Executioner's Song? I'm sure he's he's heading that up. Sure. Why not? Uh, That's not that far from now, so we'll get there. Uh, I'm told... I'm told by some of our listeners, actually, that that's a good one, but I don't okay. remember it as being, I remember I never, it as being the, uh, the last thing that I read that kind of took me out of the X-Men altogether. Yeah. I know. Ne- I never read it. Um, and that's not saying it's good or bad. I just never got around to reading it. Do you own all the issues? I believe I've got the trade paperback. I don't think I have any issues. Really? I, I had stopped collecting before then. Okay. Anyway, that's the end of the issue. Uh, we cut to a shot of uh, the hanging X-Men who are uh, bounded and not quite gagged. Cyclops has a uh, something covering his face so he can't blast things. It's a ruby quartz. Uh, well, I guess it, if it was ruby quartz, he'd be able to shoot through it, right? They're always kind of back and forth on how that works. Yeah, ruby quartz. He has the ruby quartz sunglasses, so he can't shoot through. So it's a ruby quartz uh, visor that he can't shoot through. Anyway, he can't shoot. I, to give you an idea of where I stopped quitting, or quitting, where I stopped reading, um, I saw X-Men number 300 on the newsstands and I didn't buy it. So I was out before X-Men 300. Wow. You wouldn't even pick that up just because you're like, oh, that's kind of neat. It's an issue 300. Even though, it, and I didn't know this at the time, even though it's John Romita Jr., um, I looked at the cover and I was like, this is terrible artwork. I think John Romita Jr.'s run in X-Men is horrible. Um, like his original run? No, or his, his, like, his 90s run. Okay. Um, it doesn't look great. Yeah, I did not. Like, I like John Romita Jr. stuff nowadays. I like the early stuff. But for some reason in the 90s, like, I just couldn't get into him. And I'm curious to see if that still stands true. Well, this cover is god-awful in X-Men 3. I know we're ahead of ourselves and we'll talk about it later, but he's even inked by Dan Green, which you're like, well, okay, I like Dan Green. Maybe so they just we'll... don't work well together. So anyways, um, what issue of Uncanny X-Men are we in on the podcast? I don't know. Me neither. So we're getting close. We're at 293? Oh my gosh, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyways, there you go. Was that it, was uh, 281, the one where... Uh... The professor comes back where it's the new, the new gold team. Yes. I think. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're maybe around 285, 286 at this time. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. So we've we got a little while to go before we're at 300, but not too much. I think we do have to get through the extinction. No, not ex- I always say extension agenda, the executioner's song before we get to issue 300. Okay. That's a, that's a big crossover too, if I recall. It crosses over. All of the main titles, uh, Excalibur, once again, not involved. That's probably for the better. <laughs> they're off, they're off doing their own thing, which yeah, is probably for the best. Alan Davis just took one look at it and he's like, no, I'm not doing that. If he's even still penciling and writing at that time. At that time. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. He might be, I think he sticks around for a while now that he's like the writer and artist. But I don't know that for a fact. I just feel like I've seen trade paperbacks where it's a lot of issues. Okay. But 
That doesn't mean anything, I guess. So that's it. Well, Adam, uh, you know how some people can get a hold of us. <laughs> I, I, I don't. You should tell me. I will. Uh, people can get a hold of us at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com or go out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. They can follow us on at Danger Room Go. Uh, that's, that's a Twitter thing, by the way. You can email us. Probably the most uh, popular way of getting a hold of us at Danger Room at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes or wherever you subscribe to podcasts to subscribe, like, listen, and all that stuff. Um, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. And actually, the final way that you can view our content as well as additional material is patreon.com forward slash danger room. And I saved that for the last because we wanted to recognize our, some of our patrons. Yeah, let's uh, let's do a thing. I don't know if we're ever going to do this again, but I took the time to write all this down. So <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Let's the, let's let's alternate, Adam. Okay. I'll, I'll start. Uh, Do it. Our 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 number one patron, Adrian Bundy. I almost mispronounced his name. Let me try that again. Adrian Bundy. Uh, he's been around for at least fifty five months. Well, many of those months were free because we went free during the pandemic. Oh yeah, that's true. I don't know. If, so I got these numbers from um, what you mean, from Patreon. So yeah, I okay. guess I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Patzner has been with us for 54 months. Dustin Habel has been with us for 49 months. Kyle has been with us for 44 months. I don't know if he has a last name. He must not. Uh, Damon Boam has been with us for 43 months. Brandon Metcalf has been with us for 42 months. Brian Walker has been with us for 42 months. Desmond Bryce has been with us for 35 months. Zach Smith has been with us for 17 months. Shyla. Also a singular name. Been with us for 12 months. Greg Kregmas has been with us for 12 months. And Rob Wang has been with us for six months. And Sean Golly has also been with us for six months. There you go. So if you want to join our extensive list of, what is that, 12 patrons, uh, you can do so by visiting us at the aforementioned patreon.com forward slash danger room podcast, where uh, we do some stuff, you know. Well, we, like, for example, right now we're covering X-Men forever, but we've also done the Dawn of X, Day of X, or whatever that new stuff X was. And, and then we also talk about, you know, movies and TV shows and, and things of that nature. Uh, yeah. Or if you're one of those people and you're like, oh, I forgot I was giving them money. I better stop that. <laughs> Consider this a public service announcement. So that's where my dollar a month has been going. I better cancel <laughs> that. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, support us on 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 Patreon dot com. We don't we don't have like physical giveaways, uh, but we do have some perks in there. You know, I don't know if if you want to do phys- if if we get like a whole bunch of people and they want to do physical giveaways. If that's what gets the people to give them our, their hard earned dollars, I I can come up with some stuff around here. Looking we can around well, the room. I got stuff I can give away. You know what, Adam? I was thinking about. Oh, and you know what? I think I just I, I messed this up. But I still have some left over. Um, I had a fairly extensive collection of X-Men t-shirts. And I still have a handful of them. Um, I, I would I would put those into like a, a Patreon donation level. Now, they don't say Danger Room on them. They're just random X-Men t-shirts that I've bought over the years at, you know, Kohl's and other department stores. But, you know, hey, could be yeah, cool. That's cool. <laughs> Uh, I, although I think I donated a fair amount of them recently, but I still have some more that I would, I would put into the mix. There you go. 
And if we had even uh, more patrons, uh, I think it's pretty easy to get a line of stickers created. And you could have like a danger room sticker for your laptop or Ooh. something like that. Wouldn't that be fancy? Yeah. Shoot. You put la- you put stickers on your laptop? No. Oh, I do. I, I'm, I'm one of those people who likes things to look like they're new. If it comes with like a plastic sheet that's supposed to protect it, I leave that on as long as humanly possible. Oh my God. That is, I just, uh, had, since you mentioned it, I had a, um, uh, what was it? I think it was a, oh, I know what it was. It was a, a, a disc drive for a VIC 20 that I picked up at a thrift store. So that thing is 40 plus years old. And it had the plastic thing over the badge. Yeah. And I was like, I should put this on YouTube or something because I peeled it off. I was like, this could be uh, uh, one of those satisfying videos. Number one, where you're pulling the sticker off. But number two, it makes that noise. You could have like (laughs) mic'd it up and gotten it really loud. And it could have served so many purposes. But point is, I don't care if it's been on there for 40 years. It's coming off because that's, that's the most satisfying thing is to pull that thing off. Yeah, but I like to wait. I just like to wait. I just like to wait as long as possible. And then it's, I don't know, I have a problem. That's your prerogative. Um, I don't uh, unwrap my uh, video games, DVDs, Blu-rays, or anything until I'm actually going to use it. I I do the same. I used to buy DVDs and then immediately open it up to see what was inside because there used to be a time when you would get, you know, a lot of bonus papery materials. Uh, These days, not so much. Nowadays, it's probably smart to do that just to make sure you got all the right discs. Yeah, that's true. Because I have opened things, uh, and because I've waited so long to open them, you like, like I, like I bought a, I don't know, what is it, a five film version of Blade Runner that has all these different cuts, and it, it two of the discs were the same disc, so I was missing, uh, I think the theatrical cut, which is a bit oh, of geez. a bummer when you bought something like I don't know four years ago, and you're like. Oh, man, I really (laughs) really wish I had done something about this. Now that this thing is out of print, I'm kind of out of luck. Right. And then nobody's going to honor a return at this point. Yeah. Well, that's that's true. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's the it's the risk we run. The other downside, uh, you know, if you're buying Switch games and just throwing them on the shelf still in the shrink wrap, because one day you'll play it for sure, definitely, uh, is you don't get to redeem the Switch points, which you That's can true. use for discounts on the which store. I always forget so. to do anyway. I was doing it like immediately, and I definitely saved $5 over the years. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've definitely done it, and I've definitely saved a couple of bucks here and there, but I always forget to do it. It's usually like, oh, yeah, there's this thing, and then I have like a stack of five or ten things that i have to now open just to redeem them all they do expire somehow yeah Yeah. no they do expire which is now i just i haven't done it in a long time so they're probably all expired same i'm in the same boat all right well um adam do you got anything else for today no no that's this was a short one because this is how we do the x-men man it's short and sweet until you get to the b-sides then it's a long one yep well until next time my name's jeremy my name's adam And the danger room is closed. (laughs) 